This is the None of Your Business Podcast. Thank you for joining today. I'm your host, Robert DeLude, and it is my mission to bring you inspiring stories for entrepreneurs, businessmen and women, students, coaches, or anyone else who is crushing it in life and doing kick-ass things. We all go through personal struggles. It doesn't matter what our background is, but we can overcome them and accomplish anything. And I want to show you how. Thank you for joining me today. Now let the show begin. What's up, guys? It is Friday, and this is the None of Your Business Podcast. So, today I have Rachel Brady, a.k.a. Shots to Shakes. Today we talk about the vital importance of seltzer and self-care, her new book release, The Millennial Burnout, and you don't have to be in sobriety to have self-care. Um, you know, we all drank and used differently and we all recover differently. Um, she is your virtual sobriety sister and, uh, she's just here to help. So, you know, this was an amazing interview, Rachel. Thank you again. Um, and honestly, I'm recording this on my phone right now. Uh, this little introduction. I'm out of town, and I'm just recording it. So, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this. Um, This is amazing. And, you know, tag her on Instagram, at Shots to Shakes, and tag me, Robert DeLude. And if you buy some Create Swag at the end, um, you will get all the details for that. So, anyways, hope you guys enjoy and enjoy your weekend. And we're going. All right. So welcome, Rachel. Hello. Welcome. Here. Uh, Who are you? What do you do? (laughs) Who am I? Uh, That's a loaded question. No. Um, I am, first and foremost, I think I'm most well known for being a woman in recovery. So I am also a wife, I'm a daughter, all that good stuff. But first and foremost, I like to always um, kind of talk about how uh, being in recovery kind of gave me everything I have today. So that's a huge thing for me. Um, I also run a platform in Instagram called Shots to Shakes, which is sort of like a microblog slash journal. Um, I always, in the early days, I called it musings of a retired blackout artist because it was basically my... Um, observations, lessons learned, things like that as I went through sobriety. And now it has kind of grown into this whole mental health advocacy platform. I talk a lot about um, sobriety and how we can make it more, uh, not mainstream, but just more understood by people. That's my biggest thing is just education and awareness. So that is the biggest Thing that I do and I'm also a weightlifter I have a rescue dog and I am literally taking it 24 hours at a time that's all we can do it's yeah I know time. Like, <laughs> yeah geez especially for people in recovery like sometimes 
especially in the beginning, it's like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's all they told us was don't think about like your cousin's friend's sister's wedding, like two years from now, just think about not taking a drink today. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. Anyways. So obviously to be, you know, uh, in recovery, like what made you stop drinking? Uh, I always say that it kind of chose me (laughs) just because I, I think the biggest red flag was the fact that I would try to moderate and I'm a very high achiever. Like I was called gifted in school. So I was very much like under the impression that if I just put my mind to it, I can do it, which is usually the case in a lot of things. But I actually didn't start drinking until college. I was very sheltered in high school. So I, once I got to college, I was very much like, oh my gosh, this magical thing that makes me more attractive at parties and actually invites me to parties and all this stuff. It was kind of like my golden ticket in. And I all of a sudden started to be the person where I would always say it was bad luck, but all these things would start happening to me. I would get in trouble. My first night of college, I actually got written up by RAs twice within like two hours. So that should have been a a warning sign, I know. For drinking? Uh, For drinking, yeah. For I was hanging out with uh, some upperclassmen that I knew from my high school, and they came in, because we were all underage. Sorry, Mom. But that happened. (laughs) And we were like, okay, well, let's move to another dorm party or whatever. And then the same RAs came into that and busted that up. I was just like, oh, my. Like, I'm 18 years old. I'm a baby. Like, literally my first day of freshman year. I'm just like, oh, my God. So... I should have probably known by then, okay, maybe this isn't the best thing for me, but kept going. And I noticed a lot of um, red flags in terms of, like I said, I wasn't able to moderate. Once I took that first drink, it was off to the races, um, no matter how good I tried to be, because I tried everything. I tried like spacing up my drinks, trying only one kind of liquor or wine for the night, all like everything you could think of, I did. And um, it started to get progressively worse, especially like senior year slash after graduation. So I would start uh, secretly drinking. I would lie about whether or not I drank or how much I had to drink. Um, A lot of friends and family showed concern, but I would become very defensive because I knew in my heart that this was not doing anything for me beneficially, but I had just been raised to believe so, like it is so ingrained that this thing is needed to be social or be flirty or do anything pretty much. It's kind of like ingrained into every aspect of our society. So I was so scared because I was like, okay, obvious or in my head, I thought, oh my God, everyone is, you know, able to handle this thing, but I'm not. So does that mean I'm like an outcast? I'd be exiled to an island or something. And it was really tough. So I took the sobriety plunge in January, 2016. That was why I call it my surrender date. Obviously not my sober date, but my surrender date. And it has been such a huge, like, I feel like I've learned more in three years than I have the first 18 years of my life, just because it is such a mental spirit. Like it, it encapsulates every part of your body when you're in recovery. I think you can attest to that too. And I ended up having to do, or I chose to check into rehab uh, two years ago, just kind of as a final, okay, like I do not know what I'm doing. Obviously it is, it got really um, intense. So I was like, this is the best path for me right now. And so I did that. And as of yesterday, I am 500 days sober. That is awesome. Thank you. That's way awesome. Thank you. Hell yeah. It's really something to be definitely proud of. 
Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very, I'm very proud of it. But at the same time, I also have to remember, like, I'm not special. I just had to learn tools. And that's what I tried to pay it for a lot with my account. Yeah, for sure. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, I'm nobody special. Like, fuck, I have been in recovery since 2013. Mm -hmm. And like, when I think I got it, yeah, and I'll like my old behavior start coming back and then pretty soon I'm sticking a needle in my arm. I'm fucking <laughs> I hate uh, when that happens. <laughs> yeah. One day, well, it was so funny. Actually, my, um, my, when I checked into rehab, it was because I had done an attempt on my life. And it's funny, it's funny now because you know, you have to laugh at things. But, um, when I woke up, I was 5150, which is you're involuntarily committed to a hospital. And I woke up in a little cot and I had to use the sheets to like, they didn't give me a blanket. So I just pulled the sheets out to like cocoon myself. And I woke up, I was like, my first thought was, well, shoot, I guess I can't moderate. <laughs> like, as if that, like, like, I guess I can't control my drinking. Like no shit. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's one of those things where, yeah, like we, like just people that have, you know, have alcohol abuse or outlet dependency, they just think differently. And that's something that I really try to tell people is like, it's not a drinking problem. It's a thinking problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fuck. I'm, I think I'm, when I'm not practicing spiritual principles and like working on like my self care and stuff, like mm -hmm. I will, blow up my life worse than when I was fucking, when I overdosed on heroin. Like it fucking. Oh yeah. It's no, it's ridiculous. Like it's so crazy how much recovery is not just not using the drug of choice or alcohol of choice. Like it's, yeah. people think that all the time where it's like, Oh, we'll just stop drinking. It's like, okay, cool. Like, thanks Carol. I'm cured. Right. When I went to treatment in 2013, I was, I was just going for heroin. Just get off heroin. Yeah. Like just go. And then, like my, I guess like, I'll have booze. Like booze will be my safety net. Like, mm -hmm. and then somebody mentioned, like, well, every time I drink, I relapse on drugs. I'm like, holy fuck, that's me. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that I heard that because if I started drinking, like, it just, I would yeah. Drop. But anyways, it's not about me. This is about you. Uh, so, uh, you just came out with a book on your birthday. I did. It is an ebook. It's, um, I actually, I wanted it to be like official ebook on Amazon, but, uh, I did it PDF style and I'm still kind of a newbie to learning how to convert stuff. So it's PDF right now. Um, maybe ebook, maybe hard copy in the future, but yeah, it's called salt and self care. And I wrote it in my, with the, um, kind of burnt out millennial in mind. It, it, stems a lot a lot of things are for people in recovery or for people that mm -hmm. are safe from alcohol just because that is a area of expertise for me yeah. but i mainly wrote it just because i feel like self-care is so commercialized nowadays like you think of self-care a lot of people think oh well like green juice or yoga or bath yeah. or whatever and it's really unfortunate because i feel like self-care is such an integral part of at least my routine mm -hmm. um but it's so misunderstood. So people think, oh, well, I don't want to do yoga on a beach somewhere, so I'm just not going to do self-care. But it's like, no, that's not <laughs> what the only thing. And I, when I created the book, I did um, a few sections. So one of them was four ways to self-care for free, just because I feel like that's also another barrier is accessibility. I know a lot of people that think, okay, well, I can't afford, you know, these $50 face masks so I can't self-care. It's like, no, you can do journaling, meditation, um, walking your dog without your phone, just being present. Like those are all free and they're 
infinitely, in my opinion, more effective than just doing a yoga pose on a beach somewhere in sipping a green drink somewhere. Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree. Um, a lot of things in your book, like one, I'm going to try using your two. I already do them. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I was, I really like it because like, why make this shit hard? Yeah. Why? It doesn't have to be fucking hard. Like what you're saying in your book, it, it doesn't. It, simple things to mm-hmm. get to where you want to go. And if you can't afford a fucking whatever. Yoga retreat. Yeah, yoga <laughs> retreat, then fucking go do it. But if you yeah. can't, don't stress about it. Like Exactly. Um, and that was the biggest thing too. I was like, you need to make it work for you because I know so many people that, like I'm the same way when I, put my mind to something I'm like okay I'm gonna do this and then this and then this and then this and it burns you out even more and that's the exact opposite effect you wanted to have because I know for me like when I got sober I literally because I was having all these things also I was like okay I can't fix everything all at once I just need to focus on not drinking like that's literally all I can do right now because that was where my mental emotional spiritual capacity was for sure. And so, yeah, with the whole self-care thing, I always like to parallel it to you don't have to do everything at once. You can slowly build tools. Absolutely. Like I do multiple forms of self-care now, but just focus on this one thing. See, like do it for a week, track it. I included a um, little self-care tracker just to say like, what did you do? How long? How'd you feel during and afterwards? Just so you can see if it even works for you because not one size fits all. It's not just, you know, pink aesthetics and glitter bath bombs or whatever. Like I know people that journal, they just journal and that has helped them significantly. So it's kind of a choose your own adventure kind of thing, but just making awareness of what options are out there and what benefits they do serve. Totally. Wait, they they have glitter bath bombs? You'd be surprised, dude. They commercialize everything. I don't get it though, because it would get glitter on your skin, right? (laughs) Right. Well, you might... Might have just sold me on a glitter bath bomb. Just kidding. look it up, man. I'm sure <laughs> there's an Etsy store with it, like begging for dollars. <laughs> right? Uh, that just sounds like a mess in your bathtub. I know. I took. I did actually use a pink bath bomb, and it like stained my tub for a week. So I don't know. I don't get it, but whatever. Everyone has their thing. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'd rather just I don't know be grounded, have my feet like in the sand or dirt, and. Mm-hmm just yeah that's the thing like it's called barefooting or something or really you know what i mean yeah there's a thing i i I can't i barely know about it but apparently it's like a version of reconnecting with nature and it's called barefooting or something where like you walk in nature barefoot oh it's like we can't connect you with the earth something i don't know but that's right on i so i obviously live in montana and Mm -hmm. i always took it for granted and I'm like, I got to move to a bigger city. I got to, like, got to go somewhere. You know, I, I lived Spokane, Seattle, Portland, mm-hmm. and I loved it. But I was younger, and I was just, I was drinking and using drugs, so whatever. Mm-hmm. After being homeless in Vegas last, in 2018, um, I came back home, and I just appreciate the mountains, the calmness. Mm-hmm. So now, like, I try and, like, go take a walk, like, in the woods. Like, literally, there's woods out five minutes from my house um oh, and it's just really just be present in the moment and like i'm trying not to have my phone on me i'm trying to take social media off all of my phone because that if i'm not being present and if i'm not like focusing on me then i can't help you and mm-hmm. that's just my experience mm-hmm. no, I, totally. yeah and I, i'm so codependent i want to help everyone yes <laughs> so yeah 
and I will drown myself to try and save you. But that's mm-hmm. not that's not self love. That's not self care. That's not honoring myself. So, anyways, um, you were talking about habits and routines. What mm-hmm. do you have like a morning? I, I try to. I always say that <laughs> I try to. Um, it honestly just depends. Like I, for one thing that I do do that I'm very proud of is I go. So I have about half an hour to 45 minute commute, which is um, really funny. I learned actually a side note that in California, we measure driving distances by hours or minutes. And then other places do it by miles because for us, like five miles can be an hour, but that's a whole different thing, which is funny. But anyway, I travel for about 30 to 40 minutes every night, every morning, every after work. So my form of routine is podcasts mm. and doing, like just getting, because I don't like listening to the radio just because in the morning there's always like morning talk shows. And I'm just like, I just want to listen to music, dude. Like I don't care about, you know, the whatever. And yeah, so, I totally <laughs> understand. You, yeah, you know, the talk shows just like, you're just, I don't care. But I've list, I have a huge library of podcasts, whether I'm feeling like listening to something about um, addiction and recovery, mindset, um, just random stuff that I just like to know about trivia. And that really helps me kind of just get my mind um, out of all the mess and the craziness because it's so easy to wake up and check your feed and be like, oh, like something blew up last night or just all these crazy news events that like you need to actually be aware of what you consume because it can drain you so much. So it makes you do that. And then when I do get to work, I usually spend like 10 to 15 minutes just in complete silence. Like I don't take out my phone. I don't take my laptop out. I just kind of sit there, breathe. Um, sometimes it's meditative. Sometimes I'm just staring off into space. (laughs) It's really important for me to at least get some silence just because my work is so people-based and people drain me, um, at least people that I work with. So it's really important to me to get that sense of, okay, like I'm starting this on my terms and then I can tackle things more easily opposed to, you know, being woken up in a rush and then just being thrown into it. Oh, I I hate mornings like that. Yeah. (laughs) When you oversleep, it's the, you can feel like it's a totally different mood. Yeah. So I have two jobs. Um, one of my jobs is I'm on call and sometimes I, I get called at like two in the morning and then I, my other job, I, I got to be there at like four thirty-five in the morning. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I oversleep when I get called out and then I'm just like rushing out the door. I don't eat. I don't brush my teeth. My bed's not made. Mm-hmm. I'm restless, pissed off and everyone in my work pays for it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not fair to them at all. Yeah. And yeah. It's just, that's like when I, the more I focus on me and the more self love and self care that I have, it, it's, uh, the people around me appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Like more than I pre, like more than I probably should appreciate it. And that's why, like, I love, um, you're all you're about self care. I, mm-hmm. I really admire that. Like, not a lot of people that I see are really emphasizing on the self care. So I think you, mm-hmm. one, an, on a niche, on a business level, that's really cool. And two, for the content, because especially being the same age, like what other 20-something-year-olds, you know, one that are sober, and yeah. two, focusing on themselves. 
Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's such a, it's so funny because I actually was working at my college, my old college um, on Saturday in the coffee shop where I would be so burnt out, like the exact person I would want to try to speak to. And they've actually done a lot of really cool things in terms of their um, wellness initiatives. So there was actually a sign in the coffee shop that says self-care isn't selfish. And I was typing up a little thing about seltzer and self-care. I was like, oh, full circle. It was so cute. Um, <laughs> But I think it's, it's really important to be able to let people in their 20s realize like, hey, I know that you've been raised on this whole hustle culture, you know, no days off, you got to grind like 60 hours a week kind of thing. But I always say it's like, if you ran your car on fumes, it's not going to like, yeah, technically it's still going, but it's going to have all these other problems that you are gonna have to deal with them later. Like it's, right. yeah. So it's one of those things where I feel like, if you, they always say like, okay, we'll work 15 minutes, take a break for 10 minutes. Like that obviously doesn't work for everyone. I know for me, when I'm in the zone, I'll work for hours at a time. Um, but I think people kind of learn, don't learn the difference between being in the creative flow and just working to work. So that is a huge thing that I'm still personally dealing with too. So it's really interesting to say, okay, here are my takeaways for it. I'm struggling with this. So this is going to be my game plan for this. So it's not like me telling people, oh, like, I'm right, you're wrong kind of thing. It's, hey, I'm dealing with this too. I'm 27 and I'm working two jobs and I'm an Air Force wife whose husband goes away for weeks on end. Like, we all have these different struggles that constitute burnout. But um, I think it's really important to realize, like, we're we're pretty universally the same in terms of our concerns and our beliefs and all that. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, it, it does. I, mm-hmm. At least to me, like I definitely agree with all what you're saying. Um, it's like before, I would say before I came back from Vegas, didn't care about self-care. Did mm-hmm. not, self-love was not, was not my thing. I just thought being sober and being sober and going to 12-step meetings was like good enough for me. And I'm going to treat everyone like shit. Because I'm sober, I I got sober at 19, so fucking hear me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, very. I I feel that in terms of like the sense of entitlement, like, well, I did this great thing, so everyone should respect me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I I've I've met many many people like that in in recovery. Uh, I might have acted like that too, calling myself that maybe, but yeah, no, it's it's one of those things. I actually touched um, or I saw something really great on this today about just how it's really easy for people in sobriety to become so ego driven just because they found the solution for them. And kind of at the end of the day, you got to realize like not everyone drank or drank, drank or used differently not, no, everyone, everyone got addicted differently. So of course everyone's going to recover differently. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, however you do it and however I do it and however Joe Schwann do it, they do it differently. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But I used to think if you're not doing it my way, then you're yeah. fuck you. <laughs> like, no, I yeah, that is a very big uh, mindset in the space, and it's like, dude, we're like, I'm already shame filled already. You don't need to add this other thing on me. Like, give me a fucking yeah. break. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So like now that like I'm like one self care is really really important. Um, and I like I don't like saying I wish I'd started earlier, but that's one thing that I, I wish I did mm-hmm. like focusing on myself instead mm-hmm. of focusing on 
I don't know, any, anything else? Like, mm -hmm. let me take care of you. Uh, and you're, I, I just, this is going to be off topic, but I have to throw this in here. Your form for your lifts are fucking amazing. Oh my God. Thank you. That is like, I'd much rather be complimented on my form than the weight. Just yeah. so fucking technical, especially like, have you ever clean and jerked or snatched or anything like that? No, because my I am the least flexible man you will ever meet, so I'm not even gonna try. <gasps> Dude, it is so it's like it's so technical, and that's why I think a lot of people uh, stay away from it because it's very it's very. So the fact that like I'm making that's actually another thing that in terms of my self care, or whatever, like great segue actually. <laughs> Because my um, form of self-care for me is I have to ask myself, okay, do I want to zone out? Do I want to focus on something? Or do I want to release stress? Mm -hmm. And lifting conquers all three of those for me. Just because for me, sometimes if I'm just like, okay, I just, I'm pissed, whatever, I'm just going to deadlift it out. Like that is a huge thing for me. Or yeah. if I want to focus on a more technical move, like a snatch or something where you're basically holding X amount of pounds over your head then that allows me to get out of my own mind and just focus on literally like what my body is doing. So it's a very mind muscle connection sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So for anyone who's um, looking for a form of self care that is both beneficial kind of for other parts of their life in terms of health, physical health, mental health, emotional health, like lifting weights is fantastic. Yeah. If I don't go to the gym, I, I feel it. Yeah. Same. My three main lifts are an overhead press, deadlift, and squat. Okay. Um, and like I would do clean and snatches, but again, I like I'm not. I need to stretch more, and I. <gasps> That's fine, dude. <laughs> I still like even even me. I'm pretty mobile, and I'm just like, oh my god, how do people do this? <laughs> yeah, but I was like, damn, like you're. When I saw that, I was like, holy shit, her form is like good job. Thank you. I. I hate walking to the gym and I see people like deadlifting 500 pounds and they got a cat back and here. Oh my God. No, I don't. Oh my gosh. I need to like physically look away because it just, it's, it's one of those things where I, I feel it. You know what I mean? Like I feel it in my own back. Right. <laughs> I'm like, don't do that. Right. Who taught you how to do that? No that one was, taught you. That's why. Yeah. You, no, no one. Oh my God. Yeah. I, mm. Yeah. <laughs> but so right on. How long have you been uh, powerlifting for? I've been powerlifting. So I, my, for my whole fitness journey, um, I've been lifting weights since 2011. Um, yeah. It was actually before like women lifting weights was mainstream. So I would be in the college gym and all these frat boys would be like, are you lost? Cause I'd be the only woman in the way, right. yeah. <laughs> which is funny. But um, yeah, I did like kind of traditional bodybuilding style lifting for oh. a really long time. And it wasn't until about, I want to say a year and a half ago that I've actually gotten to powerlifting and Olympic lifting um, just because it was so goals and performance driven instead of aesthetics driven. And for me, I've struggled with body image for years. So to be able to say, okay, like instead of saying, oh, I want to go to the gym to work on my butt or whatever, I can be like, oh, I want to go to the gym because I want to add five more pounds to my deadlift today. Like that is yeah. such more metrics driven. It's not like I'm because I can wake up one day and say, oh, I look so great. And then, then 24 hours later, be like, I look like shit. So to be able to have very like objective 
the weights on the bar, it doesn't lie kind of thing, those kind of goals, it's so much more easier on my mind because I still get the benefits of exercise, but not the added stress of, oh my God, like my arms look fat or whatever. You know what I mean? I, yes, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> um, so like I'm slowly like trying to like go vegan now because mm -hmm. um, like since 2013 when I first started lifting, it was eat just whatever, eat junk and just get big and deadlift 500 pounds. Mm -hmm. That was my goal. And now like I'm happy with where I'm at with my body size now. Like I was 100 pounds when I was using drugs. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm 185. So like I'm, I'm happy with that size. My strengths, I'm happy. I'm, just, I'm content. Now I just mm -hmm. want to be healthier. Eating McDonald's seven times a day uh, is not, it's not healthy. It's not taking mm -hmm. care of me. So, and I figured if I used to, you know, inject meth and heroin in my veins, why not right. go like the hardcore, the other route and be healthy? And I don't know. Like, just I know. Being it's, it's a learning curve, honestly. Like there have been times where I'm just like, I've been killing it in sobriety, but I'm eating like shit. But I'm just like, whatever. I, yeah. You can't have it all, all at once. You know what I mean? Yeah. If like, you'd like to, but. Right. And to be honest, I ate like three cupcakes before we hopped on. So. Oh, don't even worry about it. <laughs> we got Wendy's before this. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no shame, no judgment. I love it. I love it. Um, so a quote out of your book, your desires for change has to be greater than the initial discomfort of the process. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> no, I got you. Yeah, I kind of can't read my own handwriting, but uh, I love that. Did did you come up with that? Um, I can't take full credit. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's a actual quote or if it's more of just like a thing that's kind of tossed around in the motivational area. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so because for me, I think I originally heard it in like the fitness space. Okay. Losing weight or you know trying new habits that they don't like, where it's like, hey, like if your health is in jeopardy or you just feel like garbage about yourself, like your desire to change that has to be greater than like, Oh, I need to go to the gym at like 5am or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But for me, I noticed that it is so helpful in terms of any breaking any habit that doesn't serve you anymore. And that's why I included it. I didn't want to be like, I didn't want it to be a, you know, how to get sober book because um, that's just, I, I wanted to expand past that. And also I know that a lot of people, struggle with things that aren't necessarily substance abuse but like online shopping or social media addiction uh -huh. or it just or um for me actually it was like checking up on ex-boyfriends <laughs> like oh very, yes yeah very compulsive things where you're just like you know it's not good for you but you can't not do it so i wanted to include that section just because i know that a lot of people maybe they it's kind of the same thing where they know it's not good for them. It's compulsive. It's addictive, but they're like, well, shoot, like, I don't know how to stop. Yeah. So just to be able to create some actionable steps and just remind you like, Hey, it's not going to be butterflies and rainbows. Like it's going to fuck suck at first, but you you need to have a clear why as to why you're doing it or else you're going to give up like that. So yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. That's why I included it. I like that. Like, so for my job, like I'm on call and then with my podcast, I literally would just like wake up middle of the night and look at the analytics mm -hmm. and be like, have my phone in my closet. Then I'd wake up and my phone's in my bed. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, <laughs> you're sleep, you're like sleep social media. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, uh, 
send people random messages like sometimes it's words sometimes it's just like letters and i'm like what the fuck am i doing like so now like i'm getting better and like having like minimal social media on my phone is that's really good and turning off notifications helps too that helped me because it's not like visually there i thought turning off notifications would help me but like even though like my phone doesn't buzz i think it buzzes Mm -hmm. so just trying not to have my phone around me and like when i'm somewhere i'm present like it's just like i never thought like my phone would be an issue but when it's like getting in the way of like my personal relationships Mm -hmm. work my driving Mm -hmm. like the safety of others yeah it's it's uh it's insane and like just i think it's really cool and i admire that you're emphasizing stuff like that because i think especially young people who are in recovery and not just just young people in general like Mm -hmm. they're not i don't know really anyone who's focusing on this shit yeah like even people in recovery they're like "Ah, i'm sober all right i'm young i'm gonna just smoke these cigarettes and not yeah like and that's like just because you're sober doesn't mean like you can do anything yeah fucking literally (laughs) do anything like it's one reason why i want to start this podcast like just like entrepreneurs and anyone who's like been through a struggle and crushing in life but also like i've been through fucking hell and back like i dropped out of school in like the sixth grade and Mm -hmm. fucking i have managed to make a career had businesses fail because accounting and I relapse and yada yada. It happens. Yeah, it happens. But like, if you do, like, you don't need a fucking fancy setup for a podcast. You don't need a fucking like education. I'm not saying don't go to school, but like, you, it's not the end all be all. Exactly. You can fucking make shit happen. Yeah, like, absolutely. Google's your best friend. <laughs> yes, exactly. Google fucking YouTube like, is just it's insane. Yeah. Um, and I think having that stigma that like you can't do anything if you don't work 60 hours a week, it's fucking bullshit. Like, yeah. No, I completely get it. Cause I've had friends where I think my favorite um, kind of burnout story in college was I, it was freshman year. All these things happen freshman year. And I was in our library for finals week, very first finals week ever for me. And this guy had a fucking air mattress in the library. What? <laughs> so you could sleep and study and like stay there all night. Is and that, that like, yeah that's a thing i think they it was that one guy i think it was just really weird but it was <laughs> like what the fuck is that? like i was so flabbergasted because that is very much like it's funny yeah but at the same time it's sad like that the fact that he would have to do that right. so it's one of these things where um i feel like it's so competitive it is so glorified to hustle or else you'll fall behind kind of thing or that you aren't you don't like you don't want it bad enough like that's another thing in gym culture too like how bad do you want it no excuse yeah yeah so it's one of those things where it's like guys like yeah maybe short term you're gonna get amazing results but you're gonna have metabolic damage or for burnout you know you're gonna just snap one day or just give up on something that you're passionate about just because you went too hard. And that's something I've had to learn in a lot of my endeavors is even when um, after college, I got a new job at a PR firm and it was right up my alley, paid super well. 
but I had to go on Xanax from stress and I had, I was dehydrated, all these things where I was working so hard because that was the culture of the company. Um, so when I got married and moved with my husband, right now I'm doing a part-time job because I know for me, I can, I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that. And also I was like, I can't, I don't have the mental capacity to have a full-time job just yet. So maybe in, cause we're going to probably move in like a year or two. So probably next place we go, I'm going to get a full-time job, but just to be able to recognize that like, Hey, yeah, technically I could work X amount of hours a week, but right now I am juggling so many things at once that that would just be the straw that broke the camel's back. So yeah. definitely. Agree with you. <laughs> right. Like, so in this pro like, I always, you probably too, always get approached with like these multi-level marketing, whatever. And like, if you do it, that's fine. But like, I, I'm just like, no, like I'm focusing on one thing. That's mm -hmm. my podcast right now. That's, mm -hmm. that's my one thing. That's all I got time for. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, and then I was like, well, come do this, come do this. Like, no, like I'm, I don't have time. Like I barely have time for my fucking podcast. Like, why would I have time to go down to St. George, Utah or wherever? And like, they all are in Utah. <laughs> no, I'm laughing so hard. I actually used to be part of one like many moons ago. Um, it was mostly just like, I didn't even really work the business part of it. I just like, it, it actually taught me how to like be marketable and to find my niche and stuff. But yeah, no, you're so right where it's like, because they, some of them are like, yeah, like, it's your fault because you didn't work hard. And I feel like, dude, Susan, I've worked like my ass off for this. And then some of them are like, Oh, if you have an hour of, of t you can make this like your side hustle. I'm just like, guys, no, you don't want it. <laughs> yeah. And like, I can't sell something that I don't believe in. If it's yeah. not going to dramatically change your life or just help you. I, mm -hmm. I can't believe it. Like I used to sell cell phones. I'm like, I just felt like the used car sales. I'm like, I know, I know this family can't afford the new iPhone. Mm -hmm. My manager needs this quota, so mm -hmm. I'm going to make them buy the phone. I'm going to convince mm -hmm. them to buy this phone when I know that they they can't. And like I yeah. had to get out of that because like I, I just act like it's the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I just oh, I I, I couldn't. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. Like even today when I was promoting something, I was just like, guys, I don't promote stuff very often. Like because I I'm the same way. Like I get bombarded with all these offers and some of them are valid obviously but I'm just like guys like if I had <laughs> if I said yes to everything like that's also a thing in my boundary setting is if I said yes to everything I would go insane <laughs> right even more than I already am and it's so important to set boundaries in terms of hey like does this align with me like do I believe in it maybe do I use it personally if not then I'm not gonna fucking promote it because I have that integrity now mm-hmm yeah yeah i get not all the time like more the more that i turn them down um the less and less i get them but when i started my podcast like people like local businesses would like get a hold of me i'm like no like i don't yeah no like i'm not doing this for the money like maybe in a couple of years i'll start doing it for the money mm -hmm. but i just want one if one person gets inspired from one episode and helps them better themselves and that's good enough for me Mm -hmm. that that's you know that's really just helping people being all interconnected and just we all have struggles oh yeah you know me and you struggle kind of it seems like we struggle with the same struggles mm -hmm. uh but other people like because they're not an alcoholic 
they still have depression. They still have anxieties. They still have fear. They're still financially insecure. They mm-hmm. still binge on Netflix. Um, <laughs> you know, some is greater than others, but like, mm-hmm. I just, I think, I think what you're doing is really cool. And I want to admire you about that. I just, Thank I know you. that it, like, I really want to acknowledge the fact what you're doing, especially being a young 27 female, like on where I come from, if you're 27 and just and sober like your life's like you don't usually stay sober mm-hmm. you do, your life's a hot fucking mess like n- not a lot of women where i'm from are like crushing it mm-hmm. like i just seen you're very inspirational on instagram and i'm like how the fuck is she like how does she have time for all this shit like, i don't <laughs> Nah, it's more just, um, thankfully, I'm very blessed to have a very uh, creative mind. I don't want to sound like pretentious or anything like, oh, it's all creative. But I'm very much like if I am dealing with something or there's something that pops in my head in terms of, oh, like I drive by a rosé all day billboard and there's like, it's really problematic for some reason, then I'm able to kind of translate that into words. Like I'm very much a huge writer. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it has been. Like when I was little, I would go onto my parents' computer, write short stories. So oh, nice. being able to write, um, even if it's not like if being, even if I don't post it immediately, like just being able to write it out and kind of use that as my way of processing things is huge. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's that's kind of what made me grow my Instagram as much as I have, just because it's very much like it's like reading my diary. Um, and I feel like more people resonate with that these days, especially on Instagram, where everything's so fucking curated and edited and stuff so right yeah so just to be able to kind of remain as authentic like that's the biggest compliment I guess I get or feedback is you're really authentic I'm like yeah dude because someone fucking has to be on this Instagram (laughs) so yeah Uh, I'm slowly switching to I think it's Vero which one's that E-R-O is that an app it is an app. It is a, it's, they say it's like the alternative to Instagram okay. but without the algorithm. Oh, and shit. Like, and that's what really appealed to me because like, mm-hmm. I like, I don't care about the likes. I don't care about the followers. I, I just, you know, post my shit the way originally Facebook and Instagram was supposed to be like Insta, instant mm-hmm. picture, mm-hmm. Ram, photographer. It's just. Yep. And it was chronological. Like, right. Now it's like, I don't need to know about your fucking goddamn gym training because <laughs> I fucking like goddamn GNC. Because I yeah, thought, right. Fuck. I know. <laughs> My husband was actually laughing because he showed me the explore page and it's literally all dogs and lifting just because of what he likes. Like it's literally, there's nothing else but like squat video, dachshund, squat video, golden retriever. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no shit. So, yeah, I I have such a mixed bag about Instagram, especially because it has, like, I've been able to figure out kind of what works for me. I think that's a huge thing that, like, has allowed me to really thrive on it is just having that niche market. But yeah. I've had to really, and this is another topic I put in my book, was um, social media detoxing and social media creation of being able to say, hey, like, you get to choose the accounts you follow. It's not someone that isn't putting a gun to your head and be like, follow this person. So the fact that I became way more selective with who I follow and what I consume, it's made it so much more um, enjoyable. And I don't feel as burnt out on it anymore. 
Right on. And you're uh, like, think, what, like 15,000? Um, I will let you know. I don't, I never check. I am 12.4 thousand. 12.4 thousand. And you only been on Instagram for three years? Mm -hmm. So when did you break like 5,000 followers? <sighs> I want to say like, a year and a half ago, something like that, because I got 10,000 this August. So it's kind of been exponential just because I've been able to find my voice. And because when I first started, it was actually a gym account. I wanted to just point, post gym selfies. And then I kind of started talking about Spar anymore, but I kind of treated my Instagram shots and shakes as like a blog just for everything in my life. So that one day would be about like trauma, the next would be like my food for the day. So very much not. If someone was to follow me, they'd be like, what the fuck? Like, what is she trying to accomplish? <laughs> yeah. For sure. Like, yeah. And so for me, I mean, obviously, I you can do whatever with their Instagram. But for me, I wanted to create a following that would be inspired and educated. Not for, you know, clout, not for just to have followers, but just to be able to reach as many people. So I was like, okay, I got to, like, streamline it. So nowadays, I have kind of, like, maybe three to four topics I talk about usually. And that has really helped exponentially grow just because people know like this is the girl that talks about sobriety and burnout like that's my thing yeah. so it's really it's so crazy to me how strategic you have to be now on instagram like you have to take a business course pretty much just learn how to hack it <laughs> right yeah it's a mixed bag dude like it's given me so much but at the same time it's a bitch and a half to like right to keep up right <laughs> Yeah, it's, you love it, but you hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, I get that. I just, yeah, when I, I don't even know, I think probably because I searched the same stuff that you talk about, when I came across you, I just, it really, your content resonated with me. And, like, I just, not a lot of people are doing it. Like I said, like I said, not a lot of people are doing it. And keep fucking doing it. Thank you so much. Keep doing it. And you have a podcast also, don't you? No, I don't. Not yet. Maybe soon. No. Does it not see on your Instagram a co-host of a thousand dry hours or something? Oh, a thousand hours dry. That's actually a Instagram. Um, it is. Oh, yeah, I miss it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a host in terms of I like host a day. Oh, that explains why I couldn't find it. Yeah, no, I mean, that could be a podcast one day. That'd be really fun. Um, could pitch that to the founder. <laughs> but no, not yet. I'm trying to kind of see what, because um, I've been so Instagram focused. And now like with the whole ebook thing, I'm like, okay, like, what else could I learn about, get good at, and then put out there. So maybe in a few years, I'll do a podcast. We will see. For sure. Well, if you're thinking about it, just do it. Yes. I <laughs> don't you want to tell me twice. I <laughs> I'm very impulsive. <laughs> For seven years, I wanted to do this podcast. Since I went to treatment, I wanted to do this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I was always in fear. Uh, yeah, always in fear. And then, like, with this podcast, like, I have been – people that I've been following for years, and before I got sober, like, um, I interviewed this guy who wrote the 531 program. And I was nice. like, fuck, like, I've been, like, holy shit. And then just examples that like cool. that. Um, uh, Evan Carmichael, the, he has the biggest YouTube channel for entrepreneurs. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, holy fuck. Like just the gifts once Brady gives me into this podcast and like having 
having conversations with like-minded people is just like it's so cool like it really is it fills my cup up like no joke yeah i i love it and yeah i love it it's like a really expensive hobby i know that's why i call shots to shakes it's a very expensive hobby. <laughs> <laughs> but i love it so it's okay <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah um why did like obviously shot like did you have any other names besides shots the shakes but like it makes sense but. Mm-hmm. yeah i know i always people are like what like what was the inspiration i'm just like i went from taking shots to drinking protein shakes okay yeah it makes sense yeah, but, it, yeah. It, it, i thought it was cute I thought it was alliteration uh <laughs> no people always ask like what was the inspiration like i have this huge soft story i'm like no i just thought it was catchy That's and, it. <laughs> yeah well you're right thank you <laughs> so, yeah um so like me which you've already been, you know, you've, you've shared some personal struggles. Like I was homeless. I've overdosed on drugs. I tried to kill myself. Like I, like being alone and uh, n- not feeling like I ever was a part of anything. Mm-hmm. And like becoming into the recovery world, like it's finally something like I, I'm a part of mm-hmm. something bigger than myself and focusing on me, like not being that, hopeless state of mind like i don't know how the fuck i'm gonna get out of this i I don't i don't have enough confidence to go apply for that job Mm -hmm. or anything so one i i think it takes a lot from the heart to share your personal struggles i want to thank you for doing that and opening up and hopefully it's helped me process it too i usually try to kind of heal through it at least a little bit before i talk about it just because i don't want it to become like i don't want my audience to become a crutch you know what i mean yeah for sure so, but to, but it has been a huge game changer in terms of just finding support. Like even going through hashtags and looking at people or locations like that is unheard of to me before I got sober, or even wanted to get sober. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you do a lot of virtual stuff, don't you? Virtual stuff? Yeah. For you're like the virtual sober sister. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I put that there just because I feel like a lot of people, um, when they when they I get a lot of DMs asking like, oh, like I don't want to tell my friends or family yet. Oh and gosh. Like, yeah. I guess I I'm, I am very fortunate to have very understanding parents and a very understanding friend group of friends. So I couldn't personally relate, but I wanted to be like, okay, I want this to be a place where people can come and like figure their shit out. Obviously I'm not a counselor or therapist, so I don't necessarily give like, you should do this kind of thing, but just have a place where it's like, Hey, like you're not alone. I drink vodka before the charity event at 8am once. Like it's one of those things where it's just like, when I share what pain points got me here, then it at least tells people like, Hey, like, yeah, you, (laughs) you're not exactly quote normal in terms of the fact of that's not normal but that doesn't make you broken or a fuck up or screw up or anything like that. Yeah, no, totally. Totally. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of people need to hear that. Absolutely. That's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) Well, hell yeah. Um, so what's your message to the world? Ah, it's a great question. Uh, my message to the world is you aren't the only one you, I would say you are not special, but that in this, in that sense, I mean like you, your problems aren't 
only experienced by you. Like, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you are not special. Oh shit. Uh, no, what I mean is that obviously your problems and your struggles are valid, but you're not the first person to go through them. And you're yeah. So sure. that, that is the biggest thing. It's because they said, um, I forgot who said it, but it's pretty much the opposite addiction of addiction. Isn't sobriety. It's connection. Mm. So to be able to say, Hey, like, I used to do that too, or uh, tell me more about that. I'm interested in helping you out. Like even just having a dose of empathy is so underrated and it's so stigmatized still. So just to be able to both talk about the stigma of addiction or alcohol abuse or problematic drinking and to be able to remove the stigma to sobriety, because I feel like a lot of people, I know I did when I was still drinking, um, I'd be like, oh, people that don't drink are lame or they're boring or you know what I mean and so to be able to kind of play to both sides of those where I'm able to talk about my addictive um addictive habits beforehand and also Mm. the benefits of sobriety and the misconceptions about sobriety both of those it's really good for me to kind of create that message of hey like (laughs) this isn't some you know huge come to Jesus moment like anyone can do this yeah work obviously I don't want to say like anyone can do this but it's possible. It's more possible than you think. Let's put it like that. Yeah, no, totally. I totally like when I, before I like had any substantial amount of time, like how the fuck am I going to get 30 days? Yeah. Like laying in the fucking detox center. Like how the fuck? Oh God. The DT has been there. Yeah. It's just, you know, you're not special, but you are special. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, Cool. Um, <clears throat> so say, you know, you're drinking, your life's blown up, everything, you're basically going to your bottom. Mm-hmm. If you, if the version of you now could tell the version of you then three things to help you, what would it be? Um, so first thing, cause I'm imagining Rachel that was in the hospital room after she tried to commit suicide. So the first thing I would say is, well, now you, like the only way to go is up. I know that's very cliche saying, but, but you're right. rock bottom is only way it's up. So that's one thing. Um, biggest thing, number two, probably be, you got to do this for you because I definitely was guilty of doing it for my husband or doing it for my friends, doing it for my parents. And it turned into a very like situational thing. So like when my husband was not home, I would relapse because he wasn't there to hold me accountable. So that was a huge thing is do it for you. Um, like obviously have support system. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, like if everyone died tomorrow, would you still be sober kind of thing? Yeah. And number three, that's a good one. Probably <sighs> lean on people. So I know that's kind of, maybe sounds opposite of what I just said, but for me, in terms of asking for help, like I, that I ask for help, I guess that's the best way to put it because um, they always say like the same kind of thinking that got you into the situation isn't going to be the same thing that gets you out of it. So for me, like I said before, I'm a very big control freak. So I always think, Oh, I can like will myself to do anything. Um, But obviously that didn't work out. So to be able to go to outside sources, people that have been there and say like, Hey, like what you're doing right now isn't working. Here is an alternative that you can try to be able to be open to that. Like at least be willing to be open to that is a huge step. So those are my top three. Right on. I love it. So where can people find you? 
I know we've said it lots of times, but I know. <laughs> I am on Instagram at shots to shakes and um, people can email me at shots to shakes at gmail.com. Those are my two main uh, landing platforms. Right on. Love it. Cool. Well, Rachel, this was an honor. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thank let you me, so much. And, uh, please let me know if there's anything I can do for you and help you with your mission. Sounds good. Thank All you. Right. Yeah, you bet. Mm, bye. Bye. All right, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Now, go find Tyler Michael Chauncey on Instagram. If you guys want some of the dopest swag out there for life or just gym swag, then you need the create line. So, Michael, she's a personal trainer. She is a two times online business coach. She's even a guest on the None of Your Business podcast. So, if you want to support the create movement, find Tyler Michael Chauncey on Instagram. Just DM her and she will give you all the information to buy some of her dope swag. So it's T-Y-L-U-E-R underscore M-I-K-A-L underscore C-H-A-N-C-Y. You know, give her a heads up, let her know that I sent you, and go buy some dope swag because you need it. Your styling option's terrible, so have Michael just fix it.